All right, so Mike, uh, share with us maybe the most kind of uh, unusual, unique meal experience you've had uh, in on a mission trip. Uh, you know, it could be what you ate or where you ate or what the environment was like. Yeah, so I, I don't think I've eaten anything really crazy on a mission trip, but my very first uh, trip on staff with PPM was to Haiti, and we went to this church up in the mountains above Jacmel. And, uh, you know, each night we would have this amazing chicken and rice and beans, and I would just devour that stuff. Um, and as we got to going along throughout the week, um, I started noticing that the uh, number of chickens that were surrounding our, our uh, living place diminished. And so, you know, as we went along, I just realized, oh my goodness, they're literally walking out there and butchering these chickens and throwing them on the fire and then feeding them to me fresh. And that was an eye-opening experience. I don't think I've ever experienced, uh, what do you, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Uh, yard to table. Yeah. Uh, quite like farm, that. Farm fresh, table fresh. Farm fresh. There you go. Excellent. Welcome to the Better Mission Trips podcast from Standards of Excellence and Short-Term Mission. I'm your host, Tori Ruark, and we believe that mission trips can and should be better. In fact, statistics suggest that maybe as many as 80% of short-term missionaries are going out under-trained and under-prepared. They're going out with the right heart, but they're not going out in the right way. In this podcast, we're going to discover together how to combine the right heart with the right way for God's glory. All right. Well, we're here with Mike Rhodes from Praying Pelican Missions. So, uh, Mike, tell us, uh, you know, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about Praying Pelican Missions, and maybe you're going to have to also tell us uh, why the name Praying Pelican Missions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike Rhodes, uh, I am the director of marketing with Praying Pelican Missions, and we're a short-term missions organization that is based out of Minneapolis. We've been around since 2003. Uh, and really, we are hyper-focused on working with the local church. So all of the mission work that we do, all the mission teams that we send, uh, we partner them with a local church. So they're unique partnerships. And, um, and our hope and our desire, our, our, our passion is to bring those teams in to uh, support and empower those local churches in their ministry. Uh, because we really believe in the local church. And we believe that, um, you know, that that is kind of the vehicle that God has ordained, if you will, to reach the community, and they're going to be there long after we leave. And so we really use uh, mission teams and leverage mission teams to uh, to see their ministry grow and flourish and, um, you know, and really just impact our community in really cool ways. Uh, we use the phrase sustainable ministry to really describe that. And for us, that's not, um, you know, sustainable ministry as in a resource that might be able to be reused, but it's ministry that continues after we leave. So we, when we do something, uh, when we participate in a ministry, we're not bringing ministry to the, to that location. We're supporting and empowering and enhancing what's happening uh, in that, in that area. Uh, so yeah, been around since 2003 uh, and pre COVID pre pandemic, uh, we sent roughly 13,000 uh, short-term missionaries a year uh, and growing uh, to all over Central America, the Caribbean, all over the United States, um, a little bit in Africa, Israel, 
getting into South America. So it's all kind of growing very organically uh, as we do kind of build relationships with more and more churches throughout the world. Um, and you asked about the name, which is yeah. always a hot topic for people who do not know Praying Pelican Missions. Uh, in fact, when I go to conferences to talk about it, the first question I get is, do you guys pray for pelicans? Like that's a very unique ministry. Do you do? Okay. So I have to, I have to describe it a little bit, but um, we started as an organization in Belize. That's where our founder uh, and his family originally started doing mission trips there. And so that's really the birthplace of praying Pelican missions. And as he was trying to figure out what to name the organization, uh, he wanted something a little bit funky, something that would stick in people's minds uh, and Pelicans are obviously all over the place in, in Belize. Uh, but the really cool thing is there's a, there's a little deeper meaning to it. Uh, and that is that uh, there's some mythology, some story around the Pelican in Belize that it talks about how in times of famine, that the mother Pelican will peck at herself to feed her young. And so to them, that is a representation of Jesus. Yeah. And so that he kind of felt like it's, it's an interesting name. And that's a really cool story and a really cool um, kind of analogy that you can you can put with our name. Uh, so we hung our hat on that, and we've been off and running ever since. Cool. And uh, how did you come to Praying Pelican Missions? Uh, and kind of what do you do? You said director of marketing, but we don't want people to be uh, confused. You don't just sit in an office all day uh, <laughs> and figure out how to advertise on social media or whatever. Right. Uh, so how I came to Praying Pelican Missions, I was actually uh, a youth pastor, a pastor out in Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh. And um, it was shortly after the earthquake in Haiti. We wanted to do something. It's a church that had been around a dozen years and never gone on a mission trip. And uh, we had uh, a member of our church that that was from Pellerin, Haiti. And so through some trial and error, some hunting and, and searching, we happened upon Praying Pelican Missions, and they really were the only organization that would go to our location and handle all the details, because as a young youth pastor, I, uh, I felt in over my head right away trying to take a team to an international location like that. Yeah. So uh, we, we went on mission trips with, with PPM for a number of years there while I was working at that church, and then when I was transitioning out of it, they, uh, they were in the process of looking for somebody in their marketing department. And I had some background in that. And our videographer from the church was working for PPM at the time. And so they just, uh, they threw my name in the hat, said, this guy's creative. He's fun to work with. So you should give him a shot. And uh, the, rest is, the rest is history. I've been with them now for uh, almost seven years. Um, and I've, you know, you said, I do more than marketing. I've, I've worn a, a number of hats uh, always had the marketing hat, but uh, you know, I, I've I've done a number of things, and for for a while, uh, a couple of years there, I was actually uh, in addition to director of marketing, I was director of USA operations, and so all of our domestic mission trips and and you know what we're doing there, that was kind of underneath my leadership uh, during that time. So love to get out on the field, love to participate in mission trips, and uh, you know be involved on the ground uh, with people, and and that's really. Um, it, you know, from a marketing perspective, it's about telling that story at that point. Yeah. It's not, uh, you know, there's, there's really nothing else to it. It's, it's just God does amazing things and we get to tell about it. Yeah. Cool. 
Yeah. And actually, uh, on that note, you just got back from a week in Tulsa, Oklahoma, working with your Tulsa. partners and, and teams, correct? You are correct, man. It was a great yeah. trip. Yeah, very good. Good. So uh, we're here today to talk about um, domestic mission trips. I mean, uh, you know, again, we're going to now date this. We're doing this uh, podcast in, uh, what is this? This is March of 2021. So uh, COVID has happened. Maybe some people listening to this are going to back by the time they listen to this go COVID, but hopefully. Um, and because of COVID uh, and a number of other things, I think, um, you know, there are more needs in our communities than ever before, or at least perhaps we're more aware of them than ever before. And perhaps even communities are more open to um, help than ever before. So we want to uh, talk about um, domestic mission trips. And today with Mike, we really want to talk about the idea of um, uh, serving in a kind of rural locations. So, uh, you know, you might think of domestic mission trips as having some categories. Uh, of course, they're, not everything falls into one category, but you might think of it as there are some that are uh, more urban settings, some that are more rural settings, maybe some that are First Nation settings. Um, uh, we, we did one with um, kind of Mormon evangelism. So this one, we're focusing on the idea of urban missions and the whole idea, or rural, sorry, is talk about the idea of rural missions so that as people are listening, they can start to help land on, is that where God is calling us? Uh, are we well-equipped for it? Uh, and if we are, what, how do we need to be preparing or what, um, what can we be doing? So we'll just start with this question. And that's, um, you know, what is it like serving in some of these rural places? What kind of needs are you meeting? And kind of what, what does it look like uh, to work with your partners there? Yeah, I think uh, you can you can slice that question in a number of ways, but I think the way that I'll take it is um, what you'll find in a lot of rural communities uh, is that um, you won't find some of the resources as far as organizations and things like that that are in the community to support. Uh, to support some of the challenges that the community faces. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the rural communities, the small towns in our country, um, you know, there are a lot of small towns that are struggling. Uh, they struggle for jobs. Uh, they get into situations where they've got, um, you know, drugs and things like that seep into the community and it really devastates the community. And so um, when mission teams show up, you know, the, the, the style of service can be very personable. Uh, it can be uh, very engaging because, you know, you just get an opportunity to minister to people and to work with people who sometimes feel like, you know, they're outside the normal scope of, of where organizations like ourselves would look uh, or where a church might look to go serve, you know, because they might be thinking, let's go to Miami. Miami needs a lot of help, you know, or whatever, because there's a lot of people. Uh, but, you know, we serve all over Appalachia. And when you look at Appalachia throughout that region, what you've got is a history of uh, the steel industry uh, leaving that, that area, leaving a lot of small town communities with people that a workforce that was undereducated, uh, a lack of jobs, and it's now become generational. Mm -hmm. And so things have just seeped in. And so you get to do anything from 
you know, distributing, sorting and distributing donations that you can give to a family that, you know, like a young mother that's just trying to uh, put her, put clothes on her kids and get them to school and, and, you know, provide for them. You get to, you can administer to her in that way. You also get to uh, step into areas where, you know, people might not have the resources to, to keep up their house or something like that. And you get to come in and you just get to be a part of that and help them uh, find some, find some pride, find some hope and some encouragement. Uh, and then more than anything, get connected to the local church. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that a lot of this is really uh, uniquely personal and engaging. And I'm like, you have experience with both urban and rural. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, tell us what it's like in that rural setting. I mean, it, uh, you know, I think a lot of us, uh, put a high value on relationship and missions. Um, but is it maybe uniquely, uh, personal because of maybe the rural culture, uh, and how does that play into things? Yeah. So I, you know, I grew up in a small town, so I can relate a little bit to that. And a lot of times what you're going to find in a small town is uh, they, they are a tight knit community. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows what's going on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the person down the street, you know, something happens, everybody talks about it. And so you're stepping into that kind of environment. And when you're welcome into that, what you find is that people are just, uh, are just genuine and they're just ready to have, uh, you know, meaningful conversations. They don't have any reason to hide behind anything. And so when you step in and you, you get to sit down with them, uh, you know, it's, it's refreshing to them. It's refreshing to you. It's renewing to the spirit. Um, And it's just, uh, yeah, I I guess that's just the way that I would describe it is it's just, it's just a great, very close, uh, genuine experience when you're connecting with people in a rural community. Good. And so, but, but you're still accepted in, even though you're an outsider, there's not, um, uh, or maybe there is, there's not this sense of you're not one of us. And so we're going to keep you at arm's distance or what is that like? Well, there is that risk, you know, Mm -hmm. they're going to watch you. Right. And, and that happens in any location you go to, you're going to, people are going to watch you. They're going to test you. They're going to wonder, you know, in short-term missions, uh, we, we still battle a little bit of that uh, stereotype where Communities in the past, uh, you know, may have felt like they were taken advantage of, or they were just a project, or something like that. But uh, you know, for us, we work really hard at prioritizing that relationship. We work really hard at entering into a community through the local church. So we're we're using them to break down those barriers. Uh, and to use Tulsa as an example, because I'm fresh off that trip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and where we were at felt surprisingly rural. Uh, it wasn't an inner city feel to it. Um, but, you know, we have a church that's sitting in the middle of a community that is, uh, that's run down and it's dilapidated. Um, and it's the type of community, the pastor uh, at the end of the week looked at our group and he was talking about when we went prayer walking, we took a grill around the neighborhood, we grilled burgers and we, mm-hmm. and people went up, knocked on doors and said, we want to give you a free burger. Can we chat with you and pray with you? And he's like, you guys have no idea. I didn't want to tell you this beforehand, but this is not the type of neighborhood that you just run up to a door and knock on the door. Right. Like you're going to, you're going to get a pit bull coming out the door at you, you know, <laughs> something like that. Right. They're just, yeah. people are, are leery of outsiders, but because we work through the local church 
Uh, and because we're able to coach the teams to prioritize those relationships and to understand that, you know, the projects, the projects are the projects that we're there to do. Mm-hmm. It's really about the relationship and it's a really about that connection with the local church. Uh, we tend to see that we can break down those barriers. And once we break down those barriers, then that relationship really starts to blossom and they really welcome you and they're quick to welcome you and they get excited. Uh, and we were, you know, some of the fruit of what we saw at Tulsa, again, for an example, this last week, when we started the week, we had a couple of houses on our list that the pastor provided us and said, these houses could really use some help cleaning up, mm-hmm. getting all this junk out of their yard and, and stuff like that. Uh, because of how the mission team functioned throughout the week and the relationships they built in the community and the way they treated the community. By the end of the week, the pastor said, my phone is blowing up. I've got so many houses contacting me saying, uh, I want to connect with your church. I saw what this team was doing. Uh, I've got this. Can you guys help us with this or whatever? Right. Um, And that was a connection that the local church got to make. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a result of that community opening up to, to us and, and, uh, and accepting that team in. Throughout yeah. the week, neat. So you mentioned kind of one of the things that um, is uh, maybe not unique, but defining of rural communities is uh, a lack of resources or access to those resources. And I know mm-hmm. you guys work through partners. So um, what typically, um, the, and I think probably the lack of resources that applies not just to people in the community, but to the partners too. You know, they have a heart to reach their community. Uh, so what are some of the things that those partners really have a lot of, uh, but then what are some of the things that they'd lack that you found partner mission teams can really come in and, and help with? Yeah, good question. Um, I would say by and large in my experience, what I've seen is that our partners that do things like um, uh, provide donations to people in the community, uh, clothing, things like that. They're able to gather a good number of donations, uh, clothing donations and things like that to, uh, to make available to the community. Uh, what they tend to lack is the people and the ability to, to distribute that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so in uh, going back to Appalachia, there's a partner that we have there. She's got a network of of drop zones and um, uh, thrift stores throughout the region that she will put donations in. People in the community can come and and buy them cheap or get them free, right? Mm-hmm. But she's got semi truck trailers full of donations that she can't get to and get and can't sort because she's got maybe one person running this thrift store and she's running another one, and so her people resources and just the, the ability to get those things out and distributed is challenging. Um, and then, you know, when you look at, you know, also what do they have less of, um, you know, when you talk about real practical things like work projects, uh, helping to rebuild a house after it's, um, after it's been flooded or something like that, or just even just restore a house, uh, it's the financial resources are a challenge. You know, if you're a local church, working in a community and you got a church of 75 people, you're just, you're, your, uh, your tithes and offerings oftentimes barely cover what it takes yeah. to keep the, the doors open to the church. Right. Uh, yeah. so you see all these projects and all these things that you want to do in the community that it's just a challenge. And so, um, you know, 
bodies to help and financial resources to get some of those types of things done. Those are typically what we see as, as um, you know, real scarce resources for them to be able to utilize. Yeah, I think sometimes um, we forget that sometimes the accomplishment of things is a tool to the uh, end goal. You know, mm-hmm. some of those relationships and things, and and like you said, the the lack of you know volunteers, lack of resources. Uh, there's a lot of things they'd like to do. Sometimes we look down on doing things in the short term mission world, uh, but sometimes the, it's the doing things that's the vehicle to those relationships, which is that mm-hmm. that end goal. Cool. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> can you think of what are some like um, unique challenges for, and we'll put this in the format uh, or in the context of uh, as a sender or as a goer, you know, if I'm, you know, a, a youth pastor or a church member uh, planning a team or, or a church pastor planning a team, what are some of maybe the unique challenges to serving in a rural area that I just need to be aware of? Yeah. Um, so we'll just get one out of the way. That is, we just got to all admit, this is part of the equation in doing a short-term mission trip, going to a rural community for a young person does not always scream fun experience. Mm. Right. So mm. if you go to, you know, if you go internationally, um, say you go to Jamaica and serve, typically you'll get an opportunity to go see the beach or something like that. Right. right. You'll get the exotic experience. Uh, you go to a big city, typically there's some, some excitement about, about that city. So within a rural context, you just need to understand it's a different pace. The mission trip runs at a different pace and it's a different experience. And so you might need to plan through that. You might need to think through that. And, you know, that's where uh, working with an organization like, like, uh, like PPM, we're there to help you kind of navigate some of those right. pitfalls to ensure we're there to serve. But we also understand that, you know, the impact of that trip goes two ways. And we don't want, um, especially if you're working with students, uh, we don't want your students to be miserable for the week and get to the end of the week and not grow in their faith, not feel like right. they learned something or developed some, something in their character that is going to, you know, benefit them as they move on in life. So, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, another important thing to keep in mind is that, um, you know, depending on where you're serving and what you're doing for the week, there could be more driving. There could be more transportation and logistical things to, to keep in mind. You know, if you're in a town of uh, you're working in a town of 200 people uh, you might need to drive 25 minutes to, to your lodging partner. Cause that small right. town might not have the lodging for you, um, you know, within our context. Uh, and so keep that in mind a little bit, that'll be a different kind of logistical piece to navigate uh, within your mission trip. And then I think uh, a third piece that often goes uh, overlooked is that things in a rural community, um, they, they don't always happen as, um, as officially as you might experience in an mm-hmm. urban environment or something like that. Meaning, uh, you know, you're going to get guys that you want to do a work project. Sometimes things happen on a handshake. Sometimes things, you know, don't go through uh, a proper channel and, you have to be able to look at that and recognize that ahead of time and game plan for that. Number one, to ensure that you don't get your team in a situation that you can't, that you shouldn't be in. Right. Right. Um, You don't want, you don't want some legal ramifications or anything to come out of that, that you're not prepared for and aware of. Um, But then just also understanding that that might shape the way some of that stuff gets done. You know, Uh, 
you might have, you might be working with, uh, with the person trying to, uh, you know, let's say build a, build a community garden. Right. Yeah. And, and boy, we called old Leroy and Leroy said he was going to be there with his tractor at two o'clock, but Leroy got sidetracked and didn't get yeah. there till three o'clock, you know? Right. Um, you know, it's just a different experience. Um, and so be aware of that, that people, uh, operate differently than you might, you know, than you might see in an urban environment or, or a more professional environment, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, so, uh, you gotta be kind of okay with some of that ambiguity Mm -hmm. and, and just kind of roll with the punches. Yeah. Good. Um, so, uh, what, um, are there, I mean, obviously God can use all of us, uh, Mm -hmm. but are there, uh, you know, maybe particular skills or maybe just character qualities that make for a good fit for serving in, um, in a kind of a rural setting? Uh, you know, I tend to find, uh, I tend to find that a lot of our rural settings, um, you know, some basic construction skills oftentimes can be leveraged in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so at least even knowing how to navigate, um, a, a work site, uh, with your team, uh, beyond that, I, I think, you know, it's, it's a great place to serve for people of all ages. Uh, it's, it really is. Uh, I think there's opportunity for people of all ages to do meaningful ministry in rural communities. Um, and so I would encourage everybody to do it. I, I just think that from a character trait, which I would argue this should happen on every mission trip. Um, but it, you need to come in with a humble spirit. You need to come in with an others focused spirit and say, I'm here to serve you and I'm here to do uh, whatever I can to, uh, you know, to advance the calling of that church uh, within our context, um, to share in the love of Christ, uh, you know, and, this, and, to be, and to be a blessing to you. Um, you know, I might have this deck that I want to get built, but you want to sit and talk to me and drink iced tea all afternoon? Let's drink iced tea and talk, right? Let's yeah. talk about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. cool. Very good. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, we talked about the. Um, so what? I mean, I, obviously every location is different, but uh, what should groups expect from a standpoint of like conditions? I mean, a lot of times I imagine people are driving into them. Um, you know, you kind of talked about the fact that sometimes your day may be filled with driving more than you would an- anticipate, but where are they staying? What are um, mm-hmm. the conditions where they're staying like? Uh, are, are there some general generalities there? You know, it very, I would say very typical to a domestic mission trip. Uh, you're going to be staying, you know, a lot of times you'll be sleeping on the floor of a church, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that kind of, those kind of settings. Um, you know, we note about logistical type stuff you know, if you're flying, you're probably going to fly in and expect a little bit of a drive, um, you know, to get to it. Uh, and if you're, if you're a mission team, I'm not calling anybody out, but if you're a mission team that likes to stay at the, at the holiday Inn versus sleeping on the floor, uh, you know, your, your options are limited. There's going to be more limited, um, or you're going to have to do a lot more driving to get back and forth from your hotel. Yeah. So good. Good. Um, what are some things, uh, and you said this really well, we're, we're there to serve. That's always the first um, primary focus. Um, 
but you said also, um, you know, things, um, people grow when they serve. It's, it's not a one-way thing. Partnership is a two-way thing. So what are some of the, uh, some of the ways you've seen um, churches, partner churches that are sending groups? What are, what are some of the ways, some of the things you've seen them kind of get out of that partnership with one of those rural partners? Yeah, so um, I can share a couple of recent experiences. Um, you know, one being, I've, I've, I think you and I have talked about this a couple of times now, but it was just a really impactful experience. Um, you know, we had a junior high team out in uh, West Virginia that was working on restoring this house in this rundown neighborhood that had basically become a place where homeless people and drug addicts and stuff, they came and lived and it was going to be restored and turned into a missionary house. And the, the couple of days that I got to be there and, and observe that trip, uh, you know, I got to watch this team kind of go through that process of looking at this house that had been overgrown and infested. And then when they walked away from it, it had some fresh paint. It was cleaned out. The yard was cleaned up and they could start to see that restoration process. And, you know, when they wrapped up that time of service and they started praying over it, what you heard them talking about was, was witnessing God come through in the connections that they made that week with each other uh, in the connections they made within the community where they got people asking, what are you doing? Or, you know, they're walking the neighborhood and praying and they got to pray over people. And you're hearing these, these junior high students just talk about that and realizing that, uh, you know, just going out and being there and blessing people and serving people uh, that they got to see what God was doing through them. And that was transformational to them. Um, you know, and then this last week in, in Tulsa, there was a pretty neat experience where, uh, you know, I was actually leading one group that was, that was doing some work projects at a Native American church. And when we finished up, we were cleaning out this courtyard and taking down this Four Seasons room. And so uh, we got to this really cool moment where uh, it was a group of girls. It was this, I felt so bad for this youth pastor. Uh, he, had, he had a mission team of 10 girls. No guys came on wow. his trip with him. Uh, but they got into it. They got, they, they worked hard. Uh, at the end of the week, we were getting down to the last little bit of deconstruction of this room and they grabbed the sledgehammer and they were just taking turns going at it. And what they, what they got to do is just realize just how that simple act of service, how much that meant to that church. Um, and, and I think what, what really sealed the deal for them was that there was a pastor from a different Native American church that was connected to him that drove all the way from Oklahoma City on that last day and showed up to see them finish up the work projects. And then they circled up and they gave them each a little, uh, a little gift and basically told them, you guys have no idea how much this means to us. Hmm. Like you guys, you guys really don't know just how much of a blessing it is for you guys to be here and to care. And he prayed over them. And, you know, what I felt like I saw in those girls was just that affirmation that God uses everybody and it's, it, it doesn't matter big or small, whatever the act is, whatever the thing is that I do, um, putting myself out there to serve another person and to show them that they're valued uh, has a deep and, and meaningful impact to them. 
Yeah. So. Uh, I, that's a good word. I think, you know, in a, and maybe a, a culture in an age where we're more critical than ever to have that uh, affirmation that God can use you, that God does mm. use you, that you do have a purpose and value um, is, is huge. So, mm-hmm. so you had mentioned like, uh, <clears throat> you know, really one of the helpful key things really is to have that partner, that kind of um, cult- uh, cultural bridge partner between, mm-hmm. in one sense, between you and your partner, just to help you know, what am I getting into and what do I, how do I walk some of these minefields? So, um, obviously, uh, you guys do that, but you're not everywhere. So talking big picture, I mean, you know, if, if I'm a church and I'm thinking about, I want to get involved with this, uh, I know that me as a church, I need to find a partner to work through. I can't just go into a community. Um, but what makes for a good partner, um, in that community? I mean, what, what makes your partners, you know, you know so good, what, what should we be looking for in that partner in the community? Yeah, so I, I think the, the biggest thing to look for uh, is someone who exemplifies the true meaning of the word partnership. Mm-hmm. You can find partners when you go into a community, any community, that will say, yeah, sure, I'll open the door for you. I'll get you started. And then you might not even see them while you're there on the mission trip, right? Uh, there's, there's pastors that will, that will they'll welcome you in with open arms, but, um, you know, they might not have the time to even be there for a team meeting while you're there. And that's, you know, they've got, they've got their ministry that, that they're doing and we respect that, but we find for the purpose of missions, you really need to find somebody that's as invested in that trip as you are, mm. you know, that's going to be there. Um, you know, when you go do prayer walking, uh, you know, it's great to see them out there with you prayer walking, you know, when you hold a team meeting to start the week off, it's great to have the pastor that's going to show up and be there and talk about his community and talk about his ministry uh, to help you get connected to that and, and go deeper than just, I'm here to do projects or I'm here to run VBS or, um, you know, I'm going to go pray over these people. Like give that, give your team uh, a deeper insight into his calling, his vision, uh, their, their passion for the community and what their church is doing or what their ministry is doing. Uh, that allows you to just serve with greater empathy uh, and greater, you know, greater understanding when you are stepping out into that community. It, it gives you uh, an advantage when you're connecting with somebody that you realize the why behind what you're doing more so than I'm just on a mission trip to serve people. I can say I'm on a mission trip to serve these people for this church or this ministry to accomplish this, which is yeah. ultimately to draw people uh, closer to Christ. Right. Right. Yeah. Very good. And then um, what makes for a good kind of uh, a bridge organization? I mean, what, um, what should I as a church be looking for from an organization that will help me plan one of these and help me connect with a partner? So like a missions organization like yeah, us? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I think what makes for a great missions organization is if you just come straight to Praying Pelican Missions and we will <laughs> handle everything. For sure. No, for sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that, you know, it's really, for us, it's, it's very important uh, that organizations work through the local uh, community, that, they, that when you talk to them uh, and you say, we want to go do a mission trip or we want to have a mission experience in this particular area, the conversation shifts directly to, well, these are the people that we're going to partner with and this is what they're looking for. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're starting to speak the language of the partner versus the language of the organization. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, I, I just think that's vital because then you're going to, you're going to see that spirit of, um, you know, we are a bridge, we are the conduit. Uh, we're here to, to provide this experience and ensure that it's a healthy experience, mm-hmm. but we're not here to, uh, to put our mark on that community as an organization. We're here to yeah. support that local ministry. Good. And then how do you guys at Praying Pelicans, uh, particularly, how do you guys help facilitate? How do you, what do you do to assist those partners in making this happen? Yeah, well, we have a, man, we have a great staff. Uh, we have a, we have a fairly large team, uh, you know, for our size of organization, but that's very intentional because a lot of what we do in uh, developing our network of partners and, and expanding into new communities is very organic. It is, it starts long before mission trips in that location start where we show up, we get introduced to a pastor, we spend time getting to know him uh, or her or, you know, yep. 2021. But, uh, you know, we get, we spend time getting to know them and learning their heart and vetting them to ensure that that's going to be a healthy partnership, that it's not going to just use a mission team. Uh, and then when, a mission team comes to us and says, we're ready to go serve. And they sign up and they, they're ready to go on a mission trip. It starts, uh, we, we call it a consulting process, but um, you know, it's essentially, it's, a, it's anywhere from a four to eight month process where you're gonna have a dedicated staff member that is gonna spend time talking with you as a mission team mm-hmm. and discover you know, your desires, your, your skill sets, your passions, uh, your heart, where you, what you want to do. Uh, and they're going to be able to match that up with a partner to where there's a good symbiotic relationship there. And then there's that development process where we really walk you through, okay, here's learning about the partner. Here's how to prepare for the mission team or the mission trip. Sure. Uh, and then as you get closer to it, the details get more specific. Here's what, here's what we're going to be doing during the week. And here's why we're doing it during the week. And, Mm -hmm. and all of that, uh, you know, leads up to, the time we actually get to the mission field. Uh, and especially if it's your first time, you know, the ideal is when you land on the mission field, the mission team and the partner feel a little bit like old friends to a certain extent, yeah. you know, where they've had connection. They've, they might not spend, you know, tons and tons of time building a friendship on the phone, but we've had all those things happening ahead of time. So that when you walk into that, the group leader really has a grasp on the purpose behind that mission trip and can stay in alignment with what the, with the partner is looking to get out of that and, and, and the benefit that they're looking to, to experience from that mission trip. Cool. Cool. So uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of praying Pelican missions to help them with, uh, with uh, a mission trip or with a partnership, um, how would they do that? Yeah. Uh, PPM.org is a great way to, to do that. You can, uh, you can find a ton of information on there. Uh, you can call us at eight eight eight. 776-4090. You can tie a note to a carrier pigeon. Any way you can get a hold of us. Uh, you know, we've got a great team out there ready to talk with you. Uh, if you have questions, feel free to, you know, to email me directly if that's okay. I can, yep. I don't know, you mike.roads at ppm.org. Uh, you can email me and would love to connect with you and answer any questions that you have. Uh, but yeah, we're not we're not hard to find. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Thank you so much, Mike, for joining us and for sharing a little bit about um, ministry in the um, rural context 
And thanks for sharing out of your experience. And of course, thank you for um, your ministry personally and for the ministry of Praying Pelican Missions. You bet. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Better Mission Trips podcast from Standards of Excellence in Short-Term Mission, or SOE for short. For more information or resources about how to make your mission trips better, or even to become a member of SOE, visit us at our website, soe.org. And a special thank you to Melissa White for producing this episode.